It's great to see you all here this morning. I want to uh, give you a warm welcome. My name's uh, Sean, and uh, I'll be hosting this morning. A little later on, uh, or in just a few minutes, we're going to be spending some time worshipping God. And our desire this morning is that we would glorify Him and that we would know our lives changed as we spend time in his presence. Jackie will be coming a little later on and uh, we'll be praying together and then Andrew will be uh, starting our series on the book of Romans, sharing from that. As a church, we uh, love contributions, that is we love to hear from God through each one of us, through the leading of his Holy Spirit. And if you feel you have a, a prophecy, a, a scripture reading, an encouragement, uh, maybe a picture, um, please come to the front and find me and we can uh, work out the best place to share it through the morning. Um, also just using the microphone so everyone can hear. Uh, children will be directed downstairs approximately after the third song, but Mark, who's leading us in worship, will uh, tell you when, not before. And uh, parents, if you could register your children uh, downstairs in their rooms. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship God. Father God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you sent him to come to this earth, to die on a cross in our place. And I thank you that because we believe in him and trust in him, we are part of your family. We are able to come into your presence. We're able to delight and worship you. And I pray, would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord. May we know your presence this morning. May we know what's on your heart. And may your will be done, Lord. Amen. Would you like to get to your feet? Um, the Psalms were often used as people kind of approach the temple as they walked up the steps, kind of encouraging each other to kind of like, this is what we're doing, we're going to praise God. So I'm going to read Psalm 95 to you. It goes like this. Come, let's sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout praises to the rock who saves us. Now the rock is a name for God because he doesn't change, he's eternal. Let's come to him with thanksgiving. Let's sing songs to him. Because the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. We've got plenty of space here this morning. Don't stay where you're standing in the seats. You've got the aisles. If there's no space in the aisles, move to the front. We can dance. Let's worship God. Let's encourage each other if we do so.
You may find that you've got praise rising up in you, that you've got little little snippets of what you want to say to God. You've got a little short thing like, God, you are good. Then why don't you come out to the front, find Sean, he's got the microphone. When you approach him, just go like this. It's a short thing I've got to say, and he'll let you have the microphone. Just blast it out, encourage one another. If you do it where you're standing, people can't hear you. Don't mind if we're still playing. Just sing it, shout it over the top of us. Microphone. We'll give you gaps. Come and find you. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. People from every nation and to say if you're children if you're adults doesn't matter you can come to the front you can use the microphone with Sean so children if you find there's something in you you want to say about who how good God is then do that God you are great you are good I thank you Lord you are good and you're 
feel like you've got something in you, just kind of like that little nudge. Sean's here, he's getting lonely. Come and say something to the microphone. We've got a little slot here. Thanks, Nikki. Father, we worship you because you are good. And I thank you that you made us, you know us completely. We're not that good, but you love us completely and you look after us. Thank you. Can't quite believe it, God. Can't quite believe that you love me. He gave your son for me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Every nation. People from every nation and time, from generation to generation, we good we thank you that we can come together and we can praise you we praise your name children we thank you for your worship with us this morning we thank you joined us so great to have you it's now time for you to go downstairs so father we want to bless the children as they go lord will you speak to them holy spirit will you encourage them will you grow them
on the way to church this morning, I was asking God to speak to me in church, um, but he actually spoke to me before I got here. So I just thought I'd share something. Um, I've just started a promotion in, a, in my job and it's vast and it's a massive job and I'm quite overwhelmed. Um, and I was asking God to speak to me and he gave me a verse that he actually gave me two weeks ago before I started the job. Um, and it's in two Chronicles, um, King Jehoshaphat um, is just about to be in a war and the people he's fighting has got a vast army and the people are saying, um, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And they say, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And that's kind of been the verse that's kind of been in my mind right at the beginning, um, but kind of got washed away a bit with the busyness of life. Um, and just, yeah, committing the things that are overwhelming you to him. And then this, just as I was looking for the verse when I got here, um, I just scrolled down a little bit and um, a prophet comes along and says, this is what the Lord says to you. And in response to him having his eyes on him, it says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Um, so yeah, I just want to encourage you this morning, if you are facing a battle, if you're facing something that seems like a vast army, um, the battle is not yours, but God, give it to him. Thank you, Fiona. I, I have a real sense, you know, coming out of that song, as we sang it, there's a lot of truth in that song. And, you know, how God is unchanging, how he's a good, good father, how we can receive his love, no that perfect peace, but you know, as Fiona just pointed out, actually some of us have an enemy in front of us, a battle ahead, a, a difficult situation that we're in, and we're maybe we're thinking, yeah, well, I, I can sing it, but I'm not seeing it in my own life. I'm not experiencing that good, good father. I'm not knowing that wonderful peace that's, you know, that you can't speak about. It's so wonderful, and I think it's good just to pause and consider these truths. These are truths. We may not always experience them, but God is unchanging. God is a good, good father. God has perfect peace for us, and we need to look to him, trust him, believe that he has the best for each one of us, and just give our lives over to him again. Put our trust in him, just as a little child gives the trust over to a parent. They trust them completely. So we need to also with God. I'm just going to pray and then we're going to continue to worship. Father, you are unchanging. You love us so, so much. And I pray for each person here that they would know the presence of your Holy Spirit. They would know your peace. They would know that you are for them, that anything they face in the world, they do it with you at their side, that you are greater than anything, anything that this world can throw at us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, may there be battles won even now in lives. May there be enemies defeated now in lives as people look to you, trust you, knowing that you are for them and not against them, Lord. Amen. Hang on, Peter. 
things you jump back into the previous song. So I'd like to stay in as a good father. And um, can we go in at verse 2? I've been seeing many searching for answers.
thank you guys. That's great. Uh, the opportunity to maybe worship again later on. I'm going to uh, invite Jackie up now, who's going to lead us in a time of prayer. Thank you, Jackie. Let's continue our worship to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come before you in times of joy and times of sadness. We praise you that you are sovereign and you have an eternal perspective on everything. Help us to trust you with every aspect of our lives, confident that you love us and you want the best for us. This morning we bring before you the whole royal family as they mourn the loss of Queen Elizabeth II. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. And I'm sure we would count the Queen Elizabeth II in, in that list, and there are many others that we know who've gone before us who will also be in that position. We pray for our new king, Charles III. Give him your wisdom as he takes up his new role. Surround him with godly people to serve him and advise him in a way that will bring glory to your name. We pray that as people bow to him, he in turn will bow to Jesus, his Lord and saviour. Let's just spend a moment or two in silent reflection, praying for those who are grieving a loss of some sort at this time, perhaps remembering the royal family at this time. Maybe there's someone close to you who you've lost or something close to you that you're, you've lost. May the God of all comfort comfort us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those around us, those in our families, our workplaces, schools, colleges, and our communities. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. just want to say, um, as we all know, this has been an amazing week, this past week, and the scenes we've seen of the people filing past the late Queen's coffin. 
Um, it, we're, just, um, we're we're in a bit of we're living in a bit of a bubble this week, and Tuesday morning, everything is going to kick off again. We've had no very few politics in the last ten days. It's been a wonderful relief, and you know. It's that song that moved me in about people searching. And I just feel so much for our nation, and I, I'm sure we all do, as we've seen those people walking past, filing past. They're all, I believe they're all searching. I believe we've all seen something this last week that we like. We've seen something in the life of Queen Elizabeth that is above politics, that is above so much that is sad and evil in this world. And people like that. They're looking for something. And Queen Elizabeth actually represented Jesus. She was only like that because she knew Jesus. So how are we going to cope after, after Monday when it's, when it's over and life is, is, is again? And we have, we have Jesus and I just want to encourage you this morning. I'm encouraging myself. We have Jesus to share. Sat queen Elizabeth was a great king, queen, but she was not the complete answer. And she would be the first to say, Jesus is the only answer for our nation. And you know, brothers and sisters, sorry if I'm getting a little bit over the top, but we need to be stirred and moved to share Jesus. I know we are. And... I would just like to pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're so great. We thank you that every, everything that is good comes from you. Lord, we thank you that you've touched our lives. And we long to see the lives of those in our nation touched by the gospel, by knowing you. Lord, you are the answer. Lord, let us get that right into our hearts so that we're moved by the power of your Holy Spirit to share it to others, Lord, and to see others come to you and find the real truth in you. Lord Jesus, we do pray in your name. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you, Anthony. And uh, thanks, Karen. And Mark and Pete, I just want to say thank you for how you led us into worship. I can't see you at the moment. I'm looking at you, but I can't see you. Where are you? There, there you are, wherever Pete is. Where's Pete gone? Over there. Ah. This is really weird, okay? So I'm just warning you what I'm going to say is a little bit weird, and you need to go away and weigh it. But as you, I felt the two of you had got into some sort of conspiracy today and um, to inspire and help us to worship God. And uh, as you were leading us in worship, I felt God say Boanerges to you. Now, I don't know whether you remember, Boanerges is the name Jesus gave to two of the disciples. He called them the Sons of Thunder. And, you know, thunder creates something of an atmosphere, which brings... A, when, you know, when it thunders, people look up. Uh, I felt there was an anointing coming on you guys to help us to move into a different realm of worship. And so I'm just sharing that with you to encourage you. You need to go away and weigh it, please. Um, 
but I felt there was just something particularly about how the two of you had brought this morning about. I don't even know what you've done. So, yeah, you may not have done anything, I don't know, but I, I just feel like there's something with the two of you working together to help us to worship God and to see God. And there's a fresh anointing on you to do that in these days. Is that okay? Yeah? Happy to talk afterwards. Whatever that means. Right. Isn't it great to be together? And isn't it wonderful to have a God who loves to speak to us and loves to reveal himself to us? And there was just that wonderful sense of God doing that and drawing us into his presence and encouraging us uh, this morning. And um, it it so fits with where... Oops, nearly lost that. Uh, uh, with where we felt we should be going in this season, in this term. You know, as elders, we spend quite a lot of time praying about what should we be teaching next? Where should we be? Which book of the Bible should we be exploring? And uh, so we, we would normally start doing that about three, four months before the term. So I think we started talking about well, where are we going in the autumn term, probably back at, around Easter time, praying about it, thinking about it. And, and we found, we felt God say, go to a letter. That was the first thing we were aware of. And, uh, you know, the letters of the Bible are so helpful. They're crammed with so much helpful teaching and application. Um, And then we felt God say, but also remind, let's look at the gospel again. Let's look at the gospel again. That's what we felt God saying to us, the importance of reminding ourselves of the breadth and the depth of all the gospel is. And that's why we've ended up getting drawn in to consider uh, the book of Romans. That's what this series is going to be about. Therefore, gospel transformed lives. That's what we're calling the series. The gospel reveals God's my title for this morning, and we'll come on to that in a moment. But you know, the gospel is such an important thing for us to get hold of. It's at the core of all that we are. It's the core of what we believe. It's the core of our relationship with God. And Romans is a brilliant book for exploring, our, exploring the message of the gospel. That is, how can we be made right with God? How can mankind be made right with God? Uh, the biblical phrase for this is being justified by faith. Um, and, and that's what Paul was writing to the Romans about. Uh, by the way, just a uh, useful bit of background, or maybe not, the Roman uh, church was mainly made up of Gentiles, that is, non-Jewish people, which would be us, And uh, this is a church he'd never even visited, wanted to visit, planned to visit, but never even visited. And yet here is Paul writing to the the Romans. And what he's trying to do, it would appear, is he's trying to unpack truths in such a way that his readers will be able to apply those truths. Not just grasp hold of truth, but actually say, so what difference does it make to my life? That's why we've called the series Therefore. As we go through the book of Romans, you'll find there are three therefores where Paul basically takes his hold of some teaching, he explains his teaching, and then in Romans 5.1, Romans 8.1, and Romans 12.1, he then goes, therefore. In other words, bearing in mind everything I've just taught you, now this is what you're to do with it. He then applies it. And so we are going to um, uh, not only take our title for our series from that, But also, we're going to try and do a bit of what Paul's doing. That is, one week we're going to spend a bit of time teaching on a subject. And then the next week we're going to say, so what's that mean for us? Therefore, how do we 
apply that. So that's how this teaching series is going to work. It means we're going to be flicking around in the book of Romans rather than working through chapter by chapter. We're going to be looking at a, couple, a, a chapter or a chapter or two, and then we're going to be moving to another point where Paul's helping us understand what's that mean? What's that? How, how do we live that? How do we work that out in our everyday lives? And uh, these first two weeks of this series, we're really just wanting to explore something of what the fullness of the gospel is. And to do that, um, this first uh, week today, we're going to be looking at Romans chapters 1 and 2. Now, you may go, wow, we're going to read the whole of Romans chapter 1 and 2. That's going to take most of your time, Andrew, before you get to preaching on it. And and. Are the commentaries, which are like in many books, just covering the first few chapters of Romans? Yes, there are. Okay, so this is a flying big picture visit to uh, Romans uh, chapters 1 and 2. And my prayer is that for each and every one of us, as we consider this message of the gospel that Paul gives us here, that we gain a revelation of who God is. You see, the gospel actually reveals to us something of the character of God. And I find it just fascinating that as we spent our morning in worship, really what we drew on was the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God. And to be frank, that's where we're heading in the sermon too. That's where my notes uh, are, are going to be taking us. And uh, so uh, let's start to explore. So the way we're going to do this is I'm not actually going to read the book of, uh, the first two chapters of Romans to you, but please, if you have... Uh, the book of Romans open, the Bible open at Romans chapters 1 and 2. I'm going to draw us to various verses and hopefully help us to unpackage what those are saying to us, how they are revealing something of God to us. So, um, therefore, the gospel reveals God. Uh, well, where do we start? Well, Romans chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. This is what it says. The, uh, we're breaking into the middle of Paul's introduction. He um, Set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and who the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And I just want to remind us that the gospel fulfills God's promises. The gospel fulfills God's promise, the promise which is formed right and reported right in the early part of the scriptures in Genesis. The gospel fulfills his promise. What's that tell us about God? He's trustworthy. For some of us here today, we just need reminding God is trustworthy. That is, I can put my trust in God. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be fearful. When I put my trust in him, I can be sure that he will bring his promises to fulfillment. And so the gospel is, uh, as it says up here, the gospel is fulfilled through the son's submission and obedience. The son comes, he submits himself to the father's call to come to earth, and, uh, and he's obedient to that, and in so doing, he comes and defeats sin and demonstrates God's power to save through a resurrection body. He demonstrates his victory over sin. And so 
even here, not only do we see that God is trustworthy, but also God has all power. So he's not just vaguely trustworthy and you think, well, maybe he'll be able to do something, but maybe he won't. No, he's trustworthy and he has power to do all that he has promised. And that is a powerful combination. Think about it. You, know, you may find people trustworthy, but actually they don't have the power or the authority to deliver what you're hoping they will deliver. Or you may find somebody with power, but you say, mm, are they very trustworthy or not? No, no, we have a combination here in God of that he's trustworthy and he's powerful and he fulfills his promises. Therefore, he is able to fulfill his promises. And there may be things even today where you're thinking, I wonder whether God will ever fulfill that. I feel like he spoke into my heart and life. He gave me something. I wonder whether God will ever fulfill that. Now, obviously, we have to be careful that we've weighed things carefully if, if it's a prophetic word over your life. And we also need to fulfill those conditions which come with it of pursuing him often, of obedience, of submission. But understand this, God fulfills his promises. God fulfills his word. God is totally trustworthy. And that's part of what the gospel reveals to us of who God is, of all that God is. We've got to move on because this is going to be quite a quick overview. Romans 7, uh, Romans 1, I've called it 7b, it's the second half of uh, 7, says this, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the sort of the end of Paul's initial introductory bit. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to remind us this. God gives grace. God gives peace. He is the giver of these things. If you are struggling to find peace at the moment, perhaps anxiety has taken a hold in your life. It's understandable. Let's face it. The world has uh, uh, been changed and changed and changed again in these last three years, whether it's anxiety from COVID or cost of living or change of political uh, uh, leaders or... Um, job insecurity, or, or change of a monarch, or all sorts of other things going on. There's a lot out there to be anxious about. Know this, God brings peace. If you're feeling anxious, where are you going to find peace? Well, you can try to meditate on a candle or whatever it may well be, but you need to come to the source of all peace. That is Almighty God. He's the one who brings peace, which passes all understanding. He's the source of all peace. We can try to create peace in all sorts of things. But actually, the only place we will find perfect peace is Almighty God. Restored with him in relationship first and foremost. Knowing that he's in control. Knowing that he's trustworthy. Knowing that he's able to do all that he uh, says he will do. We can come and we can surrender our anxiety to him and we can receive his peace. And within that also, though, let's not forget the other half of this. We can receive his grace. That is grace for today. We don't need to worry about tomorrow. We just need to find grace for today. And he will provide grace for our situation and circumstances that, that we are in at this moment in time. There will be sufficient grace available for us. Why? Because he's good. Because he's just. Because he's faithful. 
because he's kind. He was singing, Lord, you are good. He is good. That is his very nature, his very character. He can't act outside of his goodness because he loves us, his creation. He's got good things for us. So why wouldn't he want to give us his peace? Why wouldn't he want to give us his great gifts? Are we going to enter into strife and anxiety? Are we going to try and manage things or are we going to surrender to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine and receive his grace? That is his love poured into our hearts and lives which gives us and leads us to his peace which passes all understanding, which transforms our life. Let's move on. Romans 1, 16, 17. Uh, Paul says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as written, the righteous will live by faith. Wow, there's so much in here. So, so much in here. We could spend the whole month just considering this passage. And so I'm not going to do it justice by talking about it for two minutes. But let's just understand this. The power of of God is revealed in the gospel. He's not impotent. He's not unable to act, but he's supremely, and I want to underline that word supremely, powerful to save. Nobody has more power than God to save. No one, nothing. He is supremely powerful to save. You may be here today and you may be thinking, I don't even know whether I believe in this thing which you're, this God you're talking about, this gospel you're talking about. Please know this. God knows you, and he's revealing himself to you even today. He wants to reveal himself to you to the point where you know you can trust him and surrender your life to him. You know, we have a, a brilliant course starting uh, in a couple of weeks' time. It's called Alpha. There's a flyer for it. They're available, I think, on the table. And... Uh, We'll be talking more about this over these next few weeks. What's Alpha? It's about helping people find answers to questions. And our next Alpha, well, it's actually a meal. It starts with a meal on the 6th of October, 7 p.m. here at Alton Maltings. That's a Thursday evening. Why don't we think about who we could invite? Who needs to know about this gospel that's in your life? Maybe it's you. Maybe you want an invitation. Hey, come and get one. They'll be on the table as well, or I think elsewhere after this meeting. I'm not quite sure, but they'll be somewhere around. Um, But maybe God's also put somebody into your life who you need to share this gospel with. What a brilliant way of sharing it. Hey, saying, hey, come for a meal with me. It's a way to explore the gospel, to find out, to answer some questions. Alpha starts very soon. Grab an invitation, please. The power of God is revealed in the gospel. The gospel therefore reveals something of the righteousness of God, that he is holy, that he is perfect, that he is righteous. This is something the gospel reveals him 
uh, his, perfect, uh, his perfection, his love. 1 John 4, God is love. And his power that everyone can be saved. There is no one outside of the reach of the gospel. No one outside of the reach of the gospel. Not one who's outside of the reach of the gospel. If you think today, I'm just not good enough. Good. That's a good revelation. You're not. But God is. God is good enough. God is perfect. And he gives us his perfection in Christ Jesus, who takes our place on the cross. I mean, how precious, how wonderful is this gospel message that we have. And this righteousness is only accessible by faith. That's what this passage tells us. It's quoting Habakkuk 2.4, if you want to go look it up later on. Habakkuk's an Old Testament prophet. Righteous by faith. In other words, what's faith? (laughs) It's trust. It's putting our trust into God. Saying you're sufficient. I recognize who you are. That Christ was sufficient on the cross. That his death was enough. So you see, we get this revelation of who God is. That God loves us. He loves his creation. So much so that he didn't abandon his creation. When everything went wrong in the Garden of Eden, he didn't go, oh, for goodness sake, they're rubbish. Oh, let's just blow that up. Let's give up on that. We'll do something different. He goes, no, 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 I've got a plan here. I've got a plan here. I want to reveal myself to my creation. I want my creation to come to love me. I don't want to force something. That's not love. But I will reveal myself. And so by faith, that is a choice a choice to trust, to put our trust that Jesus is sufficient. As we make that uh, decision of trust, of faith, we're told in Hebrews 6, hey, that gives us a strong and secure hope, a certainty that we're saved. How are we saved? By faith in Jesus. We come and we come across a righteousness in God. We are made righteous in him. Romans 1, 18 to 20. Uh, We are going to have to fly through these next ones. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of men who suppress truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so so that man is without excuse. God reveals himself through his creation. He reveals what? His eternal power and divine nature so that no man can have an excuse. Not one person has an excuse to go, I don't don't know who God is. God reveals himself. He reveals himself as holy, as set apart in his holiness of absolute purity and perfection. And therefore, God has a righteous anger, that is wrath, a righteous anger towards sin. He reveals himself and his love through Jesus. He reveals his mercy through Jesus as he makes a way. And he reveals his invisible qualities through 
creation so that no man has an excuse. Wow. That's powerful. Man has choice. Will we recognize who God is or not? And then the next section of Romans, and I would encourage you, if you haven't already started reading the book of Romans, please be reading it, because you will find we're taking big chunks as we work through this series together. I'm not even going to try and read the next 10 verses. But let's see here. Man, what, what it shows us is man has free choice. Because true worship requires free choice. We can't worship if we don't have choice. But there's a warning in this passage also. Beware exchanging truth for a lie. It's too easy. The world is full of lies. Satan's described as the prince of lies. Be careful. It's very easy to twist truth into lies, to adulterate truth, to tamper with truth. Let's hold, hold to the truth we find in the Scriptures. That's why we value the Scriptures so much. That's why we... Uh, read the scriptures and consider the scriptures and try make sure the scriptures are shaping our lives. Because here we find the truth of God. And let's give ourselves to worship the immortal one. God here in this passage is revealed as immortal. Now moving on into Romans 2, because uh, um, I really have got, I'm really pretty much out of time. God is revealed as a righteous judge a righteous judge of all sin right the way through Romans 2 we see God being revealed as a righteous judge of sin he's revealed uh, as the all-seeing all-knowing one he knows our hearts and he knows our minds he knows everything can I just say this I felt <laughs> it's a funny phrase you can't blag it with God you can't con God you can't persuade him oh I didn't really mean that no, 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 he knows what's going on in our hearts and minds. He knows what's going on in our deep recesses of our lives. You can't think you're going to get away with persuading God with a half-truth. He knows it's a half-truth. He's all-seeing and all-knowing. This is the one we live our life before. But within that, let's remember that he is holy, kind, tolerant, and patient, all of these things to point us to the grace of God, to repentance before God. Moving on, we see that God knows all our thoughts, our deeds, without showing favoritism. <laughs> Amazing. God doesn't show favoritism. I felt that was a really important thing to draw out this morning. I felt there was going to be somebody here today who battles with the sense that uh, you were never favoured in your life. You feel you were never favoured by your parents. You've never been favoured by your bosses or your colleagues. You've always felt you're the one who's sort of the black sheep almost. I feel that phrase, the black sheep, could be part of it. And God wants to tell you he does not show favouritism because you, at the moment you're seeing God, oh, he'll, he'll favour others. He doesn't favour me. You need to understand God does not show favoritism and there's a freeing needs to happen in our spirit to understand that God loves me just as much as anybody else in his creation absolutely completely totally he does not show favoritism and then towards the end of Romans 2 there is a call to obedience 
You see, our faith is to result in action. If you have faith in God, we're called to submission and obedience. James 1.22, without, um, uh, don't just be doers of the word, uh, don't be just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. Matthew 28, when it talks about making disciples, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. There are, there's a lifestyle of obedience which comes out of faith. And the Father is not after tokenism, but after a real living relationship, resulting in our lives being given over to him. And so God can be honored in our lives, or he can be dishonored or blasphemed through our lives. And how are we going to respond? Now, next week, we'll pick up on that, and we're going to move and see, read the other half of the equation. But for now, let's just pause for a moment. Let's consider who God is, this wonderful, loving, holy God who calls us to him, who does everything that we need, that we can come into relationship with him. I want us to pause Let's pray. Father, help us to see you. Help us to see all that you are. Give us faith and courage. faith and courage to then put that into our lives, to apply it to our lives as we see who you are. That we would live lives for your glory and honor. That we would acknowledge who you are and that we would know you and live for you. Help us, Lord. Thank you, give us your Holy Spirit to enable us to do that. Help us to walk free of those, those lies, that stuff which gets in the way, anxiety and all those other things. So as we see you afresh, we would surrender the entirety of our lives afresh to you. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. Can we have the band back, please? I think uh, we can have a final song. That would be wonderful. Just as we uh, recommit ourselves uh, back to our loving Heavenly Father. Rossi, please may we have the Lord is gracious and compassionate.
Thank you. We uh, draw our time together to a close. I've just got a, a few uh, bits of news. Firstly, uh, this afternoon and into this evening, we have our encounter evening. So pizza, prayer and communion. It's uh, 4.30 to 7.30 uh, this afternoon. And uh, yeah, come for as long as you can. You don't have to do the whole thing, but come for as long as you can. Just a, a rough idea of what we're doing. So from about 4.30 to 5.30, it's going to be a more family orientated. So please do bring your children along. 5.30 to 6.15, definitely family orientated with a pizza and communion. And then from about 6.15 on to 7.30, there'll be more opportunities to worship and pray together. So please do come along here this evening. Uh, if it's the first time you've been with us, hopefully uh, you would have been welcomed by uh, one of the folk in the lovely uh, yellow polo shirts and they would have given you a welcome pack. Please uh, have a look through that and also inside it there'll be a card for you to fill in. Please do that and pop it in the offering box over there. It gives an opportunity to connect with us and for us to uh, maybe to get to know you a little bit. For the rest of the information of what's going on in the life of the church, see our weekly email update. If you don't get it, please again chat to one of the guys in the yellow polo shirts or to Karen who's standing over by the door over there. We've got refreshments through in the cafe area and please uh, collect your children uh, now and say thank you to the folks that have been uh, you know, leading them and guiding them this morning. Okay, thank you. That's it. <laughs>